don't be afraid to ask for and to go after what you want. Because you have those desires for a reason, you have those messages for a reason, and you really need to trust those messages. If you're not happy in your surroundings or in your marriage or in your job, listen to that because life is honestly too short and whatever fear there is, it is minuscule compared to the peace and the joy that awaits on the other side. Creating a Zen home is more than just a philosophy for today's guest. It's truly a way of life. Amanda B. Jones is a yoga and meditation expert, a mom, and a working professional. She knows the toll a busy, distractive life can take. That's why she prioritizes making home a safe place where she and her son can fully relax and feel safe. Today, she's joining us to discuss how her own upbringing influenced her adult life and ways we can bring some more positive energy into our homes. Welcome to Heart of the Home, a podcast exploring the personal histories that inspire our surroundings, candid conversations about the stories behind the pretty pictures, tales of design and renovations gone wrong and right, because a home isn't just a structure filled with things, it's the people who live there. So join me as we explore the unique stories that help each of us find our way home. Miss Amanda, thanks for being in the house today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I love your work. I love following you. And I can't believe I'm on your podcast. (laughs) Well, that's nice of you. I, you know, it's weird because we've never, I don't know if we've actually worked together have we? I mean, we I've, worked at the same station, at the I same feel stations, like. stations, right? Yeah. Like I worked at Channel 2 and then you worked at Channel 2. But and never I, on I the worked, same shift. Never on the same shift. Never on the same show. Mm-mm. But I've interviewed you before. And I've gotten to see you before. I and know. it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and um, we've always been aware of each other. And now you have a cool family tie to my family. And well, I know. All these weird connections. I was trying to explain this connection to you. My best friend's husband's cousin is engaged to your brother. (laughs) So basically, my soon-to-be sister-in-law, who I adore, um, is kind of like in your your family friend zone. Yeah, she's kind of like my cousin. Yeah, so you see my brother around, you see her around. That is so strange and so cool. I I know, it's one of those, like, my best friend, blah, 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 you know, like this weird chain. (laughs) Anyway, okay, well, first, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with your family life growing up. Well, my home was chaos growing up because there were five kids, including myself, and very stressed out parents. And it was just never clean unless the kids cleaned it. So it felt like a very chaotic place to be, honestly. I don't know what yours was like growing up, but my goodness, I did not want that kind of environment. So that's kind of the uh, way I got here. That's funny. I didn't even realize that that has affected my whole organizational style, my minimalism, all of that. Everything. Poof. So it was a chaotic home, a busy home, it sounds like, with five kids. And a messy home. And a messy home. Mm -hmm. What kind of environment did your parents create? Like, what was the mood in your home? It was... My parents, they had a kind of rocky relationship. They ended up getting divorced when I was 17. I was like, that is like 10 years too late. But... You know, they had their own problems. They did the best they could. But I think that they were both overwhelmed. My dad was out of town a lot. My mom was trying to juggle the stay-at-home mom thing with five kids and of all different ages. And it just probably was too much to 
handle on her own, honestly. So I don't know. I have a lot of compassion for her because she really did so awesome despite like the relationship she had, the 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 health, the mental health she had. And she's like my best friend today. So yeah, it was probably not a great environment for her. You know, she probably wanted a lot more out of her life than staying at home cleaning up Cheerios. So yeah, it was interesting. I I learned a lot about my dislike for authority and being told to do chores, yet I wanted a clean home. So yeah, I've had to to make some systems for myself that create a little bit more ease while still achieving the organized, clean look. Mm-hmm. So where did you grow up? Here in Utah? I am from Reno, Nevada. So I associate a lot of my growing up with Reno. But then I was here in elementary school, too. My my dad moved us here, uh, transferred jobs, and then we moved to Little Rambler in Sandy. So I'm back in my hometown. I moved to Sandy about a year ago from downtown. So it's kind of strange to be like, Back in the hood again. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Sandy, too. Did you That's really? Random. Yeah. Okay, so after high school, you graduate high school in Reno. No, I, I was here already. Yep. You were here Sandy. already. Mm-hmm. So you moved back to... Okay, so back to Sandy. You graduate... What high school did you go I to? I went to Alta. Where did you go? I went to Alta. Oh, that is so strange. See, well, we have more weird. connections. This is weird. Okay. We've got like a twin flame thing going what on. What is happening? Okay, so you're an Alta Hawk. Hello. <laughs> um, you graduate high school, and then what happens? And then I uh, moved out when I was 17. My parents' house got foreclosed during the divorce. So rather than go to a new place with my mom and end up wherever she ended up, me and my older sister were like, we're getting our own place downtown. I had a full-time job. So we just kind of took off and never looked back. So after that, wow. I'd... I went to college and, and all that. I'm shocked. I'm shocked I paid for college, <laughs> like living on such a small budget. But I paid for apartments and my car payment. I think I always just made sure I could do the things I needed to do. Do you feel like you were already implementing some changes in your home life, your lifestyle, the feel in your apartment, even though you were so young and just kind of like being thrown into adulthood? That is such a good question. I, I The thing I think of when you ask me that is the art, the art that I had in my um, possession when I was in high school, because I was really into art. I was going to be an art major in college before my journalism professor was like, hey, you should write for the school paper, not just be the cartoonist. Um, I But I had a lot of art. And then that was always, I think, a constant and a comfort, even though my stuff ranged from the DI to the things you pick up on the side of the road when you're young, you're mm-hmm. trying to decorate an apartment. That stuff never mattered. But the 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 plants, the art, the little treasures, those always um, provide a comfort. So yeah, I would say the, that is still something that I find in my home today. So you went through college, you went to the, the U, U, uh-huh, the U University and of Utah, studied broadcast journalism. Mm-hmm. And then what happened after that? Oh, gosh. I've, I feel like I relate more to my work life than my school life. So when I was at the U, I was already writing for the Tribune. They had a little entertainment paper called In Magazine. So, yeah, I was I was working, um, trying to build a career in journalism and eventually switched over to TV, you know, and radio. But in my personal life, I was uh, trying to travel a lot, trying to... Um, Gosh, I was married. 
I got married way young. That was my first marriage. <laughs> so I was married and divorced by the time I was 25. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had kind of an interesting young married life. Two marriages, two relationships, really. Those are my only real relationships. So I all, always navigating like work and a marriage. <laughs> and then you add a kid in my late 20s and now a horse and a dog and a cat. <laughs> okay, we're going too fast here. We have to back up a little bit. So you're you graduated from college and then you got married the first time. Mm -hmm. And yes. was that kind of a whirlwind? It sounds like it was. Well, it, it was a guy fast. I had been with since I was in high school. So our relationship was about ten years long by the time we got divorced because we were married about a year, and then it was like we're really just good friends. You know, it wasn't it wasn't nasty. It was it was just we're we're friends. We're not in love. Let's just part where we when we don't have any kids or assets, really. Yeah. So that was right after I graduated the U and started at Channel 2. Wow. So then you're, again, you're kind of like forging your own path and, and living on your own by this point, I'm assuming. News stations have a way of being kind of all-consuming, right? It's like your work there's not a separation, really. At least there wasn't for me. It was not a good separation between work-life balance. There was no work-life balance. Can you relate? Yeah, it's all... That's why I say I can relate to my life more in terms of work, where mm -hmm. I worked, who I worked with, which station, which publication. I can only imagine how yours was because you're also consumed with the news stories when you're oh, reporting. Yeah. Whereas I was producing a lifestyle show and hosting lifestyle show and being on rock radio, like it wasn't too newsy. I was a news producer for a little while at Channel 2, but I, I mainly kept my head out of the, the news. But I could only imagine how hard that would be. I was married to a reporter who was always talking and thinking about yeah. the news, which um, I don't know how good that is for your mental health, honestly. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband always tells me I have PTSD from being a news reporter, like legitimate oh, <laughs> PTSD yeah. from from just, you know, it it's is, the same. It is PTSD. I would try to tell my ex-husband, let's meditate, let's do that. You know, he was not having, yeah. <laughs> that was not his journey. That was my journey. Yes. When did you start getting into meditation and creating sort of a Zen space for yourself? Has that always been that way or was that an evolution? Definitely an evolution. i I liked having my little art and things in the home, but I didn't have the internal tools for peace. I would do external things like I partied a lot when I was in my 20s and um, I ate a lot of junk food and all that stuff. Didn't really I, I worked out, but I didn't really nurture myself or have a lot of self-love. So I had a lot of stuff to take care of once I started yoga. I noticed a big shift towards the end of my first marriage that I, I started doing hot yoga. Have you ever done Bikram yoga? I have. And it's like intense. It's intense. <laughs> it rings you out, makes you exhausted. And I feel like it really detoxed a lot of my my bad habits and even my mental patterns to where I wanted to create a nice new life for myself. I wanted a a, a home that I actually liked. I wanted to ride my bike places. I wanted that kind of free free spirit lifestyle. And I felt way more present in my body. I was making healthier choices. I went vegetarian. Um, I like thrifted everything instead of consuming. So I feel like I did this really big shift in 
Um, I I would say I was about 23, 24 when that happened. And that's really what kicked off the whole meditation thing. Because after that, I got married again. And then he encouraged me to get my teacher training, my yoga teacher training. So when I was eight months pregnant with our child, I ended up graduating with that. And after I had the baby, Mr. William, I got super depressed. I thought I was going to be on top of the world. I'm like, mm-hmm. I do yoga, I do breathing, I eat healthy, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I didn't have the tools to deal with that. I did medication for a minute that, that got my brain chemistry in a place to where I could seek other forms of solace. And I found Deepak Chopra's meditations on YouTube and loved them so much that got off the medication. I was I lost 50 pounds on top of like losing the baby weight. I was feeling so healthy, so good. And I was like, how was it that I was feeling so miserable maybe three months ago? And now I feel like I want to go and help the world. So I got certified by Deepak. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you offer these. Yeah. So that was probably the uh, pivotal moment in now offering meditation to people. The Heart of the Home continues in just a moment. Hey there, popping in here to remind you our vintage artwork collection, it's now available on Stag Design Shop. These are carefully curated pieces that will bring soul into your home while pairing perfectly with our existing pillows and accessories. Just go to stagdesignshop.com to purchase. That's stag with two G's, of course. I've kind of been watching your journey from afar, but you offer yoga classes. You got into um, equestrian sort of like equine meditation. meditation. (laughs) Explain this. I need to know what this is. Explain what this is to me. Okay. So you've heard of equine therapy and and that people from um, backgrounds, including addiction to mental illness, to trauma, to um, just kind of unrest, behavioral issues, even in teens, these have all been proven to be treated effectively with equine therapy. So I started studying equine therapy and breaking it down, what it really is. And it all boils down to this relationship with the horse. So being a mindfulness teacher and being a lifelong equestrian, I am not an equine therapist, but I I saw that all you need is that relationship with the horse because the horse is a 2,000 pound animal. You are going to be super aware, super focused when you are next to that animal. So you become aware of your breathing. You become aware of how you're feeling, how aroused you are, how stressed you are. You become aware of how your movements are affecting the horse's movements. And basically that horse is a big mirror for you. So what I do is I watch the two, the horse and the client together, and I I help give a little feedback. So maybe the, the horse is acting a little skittish, I asked the client, how are you feeling? Can you check in with your breath? Let's take a deep breath. Let's do a body scan. Let's step back a few steps. And then when you feel like you're at a three versus a 10 in arousal, then let's try to connect with the horse again and see what result we get. So what you, the result is somebody coming in unaware of how their energy is presenting in the world to somebody who is now aware of their breathing, their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings, and to check in with that before they start blaming or trying to change another person or uh, something else in their life. So it's all about 
bringing it back to you, right? That's interesting. <laughs> That's all we can do. What would you say kind of like spawned you on this journey of, I don't know, reinvention or, or self-discovery? You know, a lot of people experience things like postpartum depression. I mean, I, I very much did. Um, oh, man. Worse with, my, worse with my last two than my first one. My first one, I just sort of had baby blues. But my, my second two... Oh my goodness. Just a I noticeable had, change. You were just like, Oh, it was this dark. This isn't me. It was dark. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was debilitating. Um, but, yes. but not a lot of people can do what you did, which is like, okay, I'm going to turn this whole thing around and go on this intensive path of meditation and, and rediscovery. And, and what, what do you think led you on that path? I just think the medication got me to a place where I was able to be somewhat functional, I think. And I am a big advocate for medication because even if you don't like medication, I think that you, a, a lot of people should probably take it on the doctor's recommendation just to see what it does for them and just to see if it might put them on a different level to where they can choose not to be on it. Does that make sense? Because <laughs> I, I worry that people who get into that deep, dark place really don't have tools yet to pull themselves out. And the medication, I think, can be a little bit of a hand up into saying, okay, so you have a little bit of brain chemistry help with this medication. Now let's see how you can nurture yourself to maybe maybe someday get off this medication or maybe just enrich your life in general. So I really think the medication, even though it ultimately wasn't what I wanted to do long term, I think that it was crucial in, in giving me a little bit of um, energy to seek out something that would be more sustainable. What kind of home life did you create at this point? You, you have a new baby, you've got, you know, a different sort of setup and you're going down this, this new path of battling postpartum depression and figuring out, you know, where you want to go in life. What, what kind of home did you guys create? That's a really good question. I noticed that I wanted more beauty in the home. I used to be pretty, minimalist and not really care about if the home was old or whatnot. We, our first home, my second husband and I, it was just a little 900 square foot South Salt Lake home, nothing special, but um, it didn't bother me. But when we had William, we moved to Cottonwood Heights in a cool little mid-century modern home. And after that depressive episode, I would call it postpartum depression, I wanted to renovate. I wanted it to be clean and pretty and nice and just be a place that elevated my mood. Mood, I guess, became important and how the space reflected that mood back to you. Because I really feel now that I I went through that, that a good environment where you have um, simplicity, for me, it was cleanliness, obviously growing up and having all that messiness and chaos, cleanliness was important. And so I did like white Quartz countertops, just a nice, clean subway tile, and really wanted that brightness, that freshness to perk up my mood. You know, it's always so surprising to me when people are like, well, it's just a bed. What does it matter? It's just a couch. Or why do we need throw pillows? Like there's no function, right, for, for throw pillows. And I'm like, oh, you have deeply wounded me because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I really do believe this with all of my heart that if your surroundings do not inspire you, reflect your personality, tell your personal history, how can you expect to feel at peace and most yourself in your home? Oh, I have full body chills. That's I a mean, great 
feeling? Yeah. I mean, I just feel like your home is what better investment can you put your time, your effort, your money than this space that you spend the most time? I don't know. And now now I'm on my soapbox, but I feel like you want your home to be a place of peace, a sanctuary from the outside world, right? So you want it to reflect who you are, where you are in your path in life. Absolutely. And if you think about if you need to go to drug rehab or go on a vacation, you're probably going to choose somewhere beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a, a thing that really nurtures the soul on some level. So environment's huge. And when you're in an environment every day, like your home, you probably do want to put some effort into it. Now, because it's 2020, I feel like that's the only explanation we need with everything bad that happens or <laughs> life altering that happens. Because it's 2020, you're going through yet another big life change. Oh, yes. How are you trying to create a new home and a new feeling and a new vibe for now you and your son after going through a divorce? Yes, it is wild. It is wild not to be in a 2000 square foot home anymore that the family home is on the market. It's being sold. Um, my ex and I were both in these tiny little apartments and we're both trying to work with the furniture we split. Right. And so we have not the ideal um, group of ingredients to make a, a nice, lovely home. But for me, I actually really enjoy my space because it's all me again. It's like the colors I like. I got to choose the things that I got to take into my home. And there's a lot of plants still, a lot of art, a lot of the little warm touches that make me so happy. So I just, I really love my new place and I see it as such a a safe place. It's bright. It has, um, like I said, the plants. I feel really happy when I can have like filtered water, filtered air, easy organization, a nice place to sit in the sun. So I've really been paying attention to how those needs are being nurtured in this place instead of what does the family need? It's what does Amanda need in this home to be fully present for William during such an emotional time? Yeah. What do you feel like you've done to help William adjust to this time and, and make it feel like this is his home, even though it probably doesn't feel like his home yet? Yeah, he actually called it the other day and it made me burst into tears. He's like, I just want to go back to our home. And he was talking about my home, which made me feel so good that he wanted to go there and spend time there. And what I've done is try to make little zones for him. So I, I want to keep him off the screens because I know that he likes to zone out on those and that's a way of his coping. But when I have all the art supplies out in one spot... He goes to sit down there and starts creating things that are therapeutic for him. They've been a little on the dark side, and I'm like, well, it is almost Halloween, but then I do also know that he's kind of getting out some of those emotions. So, so happy he has that art therapy area. He has a cozy blanket and book area with his stuffed animals, and I see him just go over there and sit back with a book, and and also just a place where he can roll around with his cat. He loves his cat so much. That's his his doctor calls it his um, uh, emotional support cat because really animals do such a good thing for our mental health. If you're not allergic to them, I would definitely recommend having an animal. So those things in the home are really helping William feel comfortable and 
not just zone out on screens all the time. In our countries, our world's state of, you know, unrest, I would say we're all kind of experiencing a, a state of unrest right now. What are some ways that that you think that we can make our home a place of peace and Zen? I love that question. You have really great questions. The The philosophy you have with your home being your sanctuary is really so true here. And it has something to do with our brain chemistry. Our brains don't let us feel happy until we feel safe. So if your brain is always trying to make you feel safe, you're always getting pumped full of cortisol, the stress hormone. And you're going to want to go for things that may not make you the happiest, but will make you feel temporarily safe. That's why people stay in bad relationships for a long time, because it's safe. People stay in horrible jobs for a long time, because it's safe. So once you're willing to break that safety barrier and actually start going for things that make you happy, that's when your life really changes. But you do have to incorporate things that inspire safety first in your home. So with me, and it's funny how you kind of made me realize that my childhood home made me feel unsafe in a way. So my safety is a clean home. It's a home with filtered water and clean air. So those things are very important to me. And I feel like when we feel healthy, we feel safe. So when we have access to the outdoors, when we have bright natural light, and that's not always possible, but you can kind of trick yourself with bright colors or whatnot, and then access to your outdoor equipment, your bike, your snowshoes, so that you can have that healthy lifestyle built into your home. Then you can start to feel that kind of settled feeling and your brain will say, oh, okay, we're safe, we're healthy, we're alive. Now let's be happy. So mm -hmm. then it will start pumping you full of oxytocin, the love drug. And you're, you're going to start to sink into your home and start to enjoy things in it, like sitting for meals with your family or sitting with a book or cozying up in your bed with your animal. So it kind of evolves from safety to happiness, in my opinion. Yeah, I always ask people here on the podcast and also our clients, I really get to know our clients really well. Oh, I bet. I always ask them questions about their childhood home, because if they immediately are like, oh, I loved my childhood home. I loved the way that it felt. I just want to create that same feeling in my home. And I'm trying to find that. Or if they have a reaction like, oh, you know, my home was so chaotic or, you know, for me, my home was chaotic too as a child. I, I grew up in a home with a, a chronically Ill, Ill parent and it, it didn't feel like a place that I wanted to be often. It, want, it felt like a place I didn't want to really bring my friends over, right? Right. And so now it's like, no, I want my house to be the place that all the kids want to hang out. I want it to be a place that's welcome, that, that people walk in and they feel instantly warmer and more comfortable and more at ease. And, you know, our, our podcast producer Kelton's here, but he knows that like my love language giving is giving people food. <laughs> How sweet <laughs> is that? Hosting a beautiful meal and, and in my home is like my way of telling people that I love them. But I do think for sure, oftentimes it goes right back to how you grew up and how you were raised. That's fascinating. You could write a whole book on that and I hope you do because <laughs> I had never connected those dots before. Yeah. What do you want, William, to look back at his childhood the way that you've looked back at yours now? What do you want him to look back and think of when he, when, you know, if somebody were to ask him, 
as a, as a young adult, what was your childhood home like? What do you want him to say? Well, I, the reason why I am no longer married is because I want him to say it was peaceful because I don't feel like he's had that for his short little life. And we've had a lot of moves. We've had a lot of, um, I would say, tumultuousness in his short little life. And especially starting it out with me being depressed. I mean, I hope he doesn't remember that as a baby, but they say that babies do feel that. So I just really want to make up for lost time and have him feel safe and peaceful and cozy. And I'm hoping like the safety thing really catches on so I can watch when he switches from that safe place to the happy place. Because I see that it's it's coming along. It's coming along. It was really sad for me to watch him feel very stressed and sad. And now it's inspiring to watch him just get up every morning and go to his spot with the cat or get up and go start drawing at his table and listen to him talking to me and smiling. So I'm really hoping he does say something about peace and love, really. What is in store for you for the future, do you think? I'm always thinking about the future. <laughs> That's why meditation so good for me. Come back to the present moment. But I always have a plan for the future. I always try to think two or three steps ahead. I'm sure you do. I think we reporter people have brains like that. <laughs> um, I want horse property. I want to live with my horses because they are therapy for me. Whenever I'm with my horse, I never want anything external. I'm always perfectly content in my own self. So I see myself getting, you know, a nice little piece of land. Maybe it's a piece of scrub oak desert, but, you know, with the house sale proceeds, I would love to get a little piece of land and maybe a an off-grid shipping container home. I feel like I could be really happy just in the dirt with my horses and my baby. and Like a tiny house. <laughs> yes. A tiny house with a horse. I've always enjoyed the tiny homes, but definitely you need space with a six-year-old. So maybe when he gets out of school, that can go from more of a second home to a full-time home. Wow. Are you wanting to stay here in the Salt Lake Valley? I mean, you work here. I love it here. I think this is a great place to have kids. And I love my neighborhood in Sandy. I love my school that William goes to. I just, I love it. I have my support system here. So I don't see myself leaving unless I can't afford anything here in terms of horse property. But nothing soon. If you could leave a message with listeners about going down this path of self-discovery and home discovery and, and creating this Zen zone for themselves, what would you tell them? Don't be afraid to ask for and to go after what you want, because you have those desires for a reason. You have those messages for a reason, and you really need to trust those messages. If you're not happy in your surroundings or in your marriage or in your job, Listen to that because life is honestly too short and whatever fear there is, it is minuscule compared to the peace and the joy that awaits on the other side. There is a hard transition period, but it is shorter than you think. So just go for it. Just go for what makes you happy. And I promise you, everything else in your life will fall into place. Kyle, I love that so much. I, uh, I'm sure you can gather this. I'm kind of an ambitious person, right? I, I, I like tell going after all the, goals. I know. It's <laughs> all kind the of things ridiculous. you've accomplished. Kind of ridiculous. But um, I remember several years ago, my, my, what I will just, I will leave them anonymous. One of my family members said to me, What is this thing? 
that you have, this this need to go after things. Like, can't you just be content? Like, I don't understand. And I <laughs> call it really hurt at the time. But then as I started thinking about it more and more and more, I thought, you know what? I believe that ambition is a gift, just like a talent, right? And and I believe that God gave me this as a gift. It's something that I feel like I would be doing a disservice to the talents and gifts that I've been given if I don't pursue my heart's desire or whatever it is, you know? Do you feel that way as well? Oh, yeah. But with you, Jen, you've accomplished so much. You are an incredible woman. And you doing <laughs> the things that you do with without one shred of excuse of, you know, but I'm a mom or but I already have a job or like, but you just going and doing those things that really makes it look possible to other women who may have these little, little desires popping up. And they, you know, they've said, oh, I couldn't do that. Or my husband says I shouldn't do that. I should focus on this. But watching women like you, and hopefully women like me, when I accomplish some more goals, um, I want people to be inspired and to do that, because I think that's in a lot of people. And I think that the world can change if we all just start listening to those desires. That was such a nice compliment. Oh, you are amazing. <laughs> you. You're that's amazing. So well, stop it some more. Um, <laughs> no, what, where can people find you if they want more Amanda B. Jones? Oh, I love um, meeting people on Instagram. I'm one of those people who sits there for hours just responding to messages and talking to people. So uh, Amanda is love. And I know it's weird. It's spelled with an H. Amanda Ha is love. So find me on Instagram and I'll connect you with meditation or horses or just have a good conversation about mental health, really. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. I sometime, just love you so much. We should have you come back sometime and do like a guided meditation. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm I happy to do that. I would love to do that. Oh, okay. I love it. Thank you. I okay. love your energy and the podcast is awesome. Thank you. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and you've been listening to The Heart of the Home. I hope you'll subscribe, review, and rate this podcast, and tune in next episode for more Heart of the Home. Thank you so much for listening.